0: Giving it a little more thought, the Jeff Akuda trade doesn't prohibit the Falcons from pulling the trigger on a cornerback in round one. And we'll also talk about how the Falcons scheme might be the perfect fit for getting the most out of Akuda moving forward.
1: You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black. And, of course, the humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started and guys we thank you for making locked on falcons your first listen each and every day of course you can subscribe or follow for free on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us five stars while you're there on your preferred podcast app and give us a like on youtube all that and more so later on today's episode, we'll be joined by Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic and the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast to talk through some of the Falcons potential first round targets at the top of the draft, which will include talking about the cornerback position. And that gets us into the opening topic of today's episode, which is now that I've been able to sleep on it a little bit further, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to you know, roll back the, the idea that the Falcons tr- trading for Jeff Okuda means that they won't be taking a corner At eight, And the reason I say this is mostly due to the unknown status of Casey Hayward and his future here in Atlanta. Back in January and February, I was under the assumption that the Falcons would wind up cutting Hayward to start the offseason. And, you know, that's why back then on the podcast, I was of the opinion in in January and February that cornerback would be the most likely pick for the Falcons at eight. And of course, March rolled around. The Falcons did not cut Casey Hayward. And so it was like, oh, that's that. Casey Hayward's going to be the Falcons starter opposite AJ Terrell for a second year. But now I sit here and go, maybe not. Right. We saw something similar happen with Mike Davis, the running back last year, where many people thought he would get cut at the outside of free agency. And the Falcons did wind up cutting him, but only after they drafted Tyler Algier. And it came the week after the draft. And we might have a similar situation with Casey Hayward this year. And obviously time will tell on that situation. But while I will continue to reiterate that I think plan A for the Falcons that I've been, you know, saying on this podcast since the start of free agency, you know, uh, basically a month ago, that plan A is for the Falcons to take a pass rusher at eight. You know, someone like Tyree Wilson of Texas Tech and then grab a cornerback later in the draft. But we know the draft is pretty unpredictable and, you know, everybody has a plan until they get hit is the old adage. And, you know, hopefully no one's going to be hitting people during the draft. But you get what I'm saying, where things could happen and you have to kind of zig and zag and, and make adjustments and adapt and all that stuff, overcome everything. And so plan B, if plan A is to take a pass rusher at eight and, and wait on a corner, plan B still may be taking a corner at eight, someone like Oregon cornerback, Christian Gonzalez, if he's on the board. And we could see if that was the case, the Falcons cut Casey Hayward after the draft, similar to Mike Davis, and they would roll with Gonzalez and Akuda competing for that starting spot opposite AJ Terrell. And so let's just say, and I'm pulling these numbers from my butt, uh, so, you know, light a candle or something like that. But let's say there's like a 28% chance that the Falcons take Christian Gonzalez at 8 uh before the acuda trade right those would be the odds that i pulled out of my rear end uh before the acuda trade and while i will reiterate what i said before which is that those odds that number has decreased i probably wouldn't be as gung ho saying it's decreased by a lot today after sleeping on it and let's say it went from 28% to say 25% or something like that rather than when yesterday's episode the implication of how I was talking about it was it was like it went from like 28% to like 12% or 10% or even lower on on yesterday's episode. So I'm backing off a little bit on that. And so again, I think the Falcons would prefer to go edge rusher or pass rusher at eight with someone like Tyree Wilson, someone like Jalen Carter of Georgia. Uh, But you know, going back to a conversation I had previously on the podcast where I kind of narrowed down the Falcons draft board to five most likely options for them at eight, which included Wilson Carter. Those other three options to me were defensive end, Miles Murphy of Clemson, Texas running back B. John Robinson and Oregon corner Christian Gonzalez. If those three guys, Murphy Robinson and Gonzalez are still on the board, I still think probably the Falcons would take Gonzalez over those other two guys if that is the case, but We'll just sort of have to see if that expectation is the correct one. And obviously, you know, we got another couple of weeks, so may wind up, you know, changing my opinion again. You know, I I slept on it a little bit further. I got even a better night's sleep and I have a, a different opinion. So we'll just sort of have to see how it all plays out. But with that in mind, we'll get further into the discussion of what the Falcons first round targets could look like with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. And full disclosure, we did record this. We finished recording this about 20 minutes before the Akuta trade news dropped. Uh, So understand that this entire conversation is without knowing that Jeff Akuta is playing for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, But I still think the nuggets that Kevin provides are worth still applying here. Uh, And then after that, we'll talk about Akuda and his potential scheme fit and why he's not sort of your typical reclamation project as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But guys, if you're looking for a delicious snack and you don't want to have to deal with all the sugar and calories that come with it. And normally you probably be like, no, I don't want to deal with that because the sugar and calories is where all the flavor is. But what if I told you that you didn't have to compromise on taste? if you could get something healthy and delicious and that impossible creation is Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, but it's low in sugar, calories, and has a whopping 17 grams of protein. It comes in flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, cookies, and cream. And for years, I've told you guys to head on over to Built.com to pick yourself up a box, and you can still go there to check out their new and specialty flavors. But more importantly, you can now go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a four-bar box of cookies and cream, or double chocolate. And if you're at Sam's run in and grab a 13 bar box of brownie batter or churro, you will thank me later all right everyone we are back with another illustrious guest he is none other than kevin knight who covers the atlanta falcons for the falcoholic the sb nation website for the atlanta falcons and you can check him out daily weekly whenever he is available on two separate podcasts the falcoholic live which you can of course find on youtube weekly and the dirty birds and bruise podcast which you can subscribe to on whatever your preferred podcast platform is kevin my friend welcome back here to locked on falcons
1: yes good to be back uh it's been a little bit i guess uh i mean i know we we hung out at the senior bowl uh we got got to connect in person and apparently i'm uh thought to be shorter and, and you're thought to be taller, but Aaron actually is very tall. So, uh, that is, that is 100% true for those that were wondering that detail. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing that we, we took away from the senior bowl, not yep, yep. Keon White and Tommy Adebarier or any of those guys. It was <laughs> who, who, how tall are the people that cover the Falcons? That's really yes. the, the number that's one. That's what the
1: people want. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: is that is that person 5'11 or is he <laughs> 6'1? What, what's going on with that? But uh, we are here to talk about probably a couple of people that are probably a little bit bigger than 5'11 and 6'1 on today's episode. Uh, and Kevin's going to be here telling me about some of his preferred targets for the Falcons, not only in the first round, but second round, as well as heading into day three of this draft. But Kevin, of course, everybody knows that those other rounds are mythological. They don't exist. It's all about who you get in the first round with the Falcons having the eighth overall pick. I'm just curious, you know, give us a, a player or two uh, that you think should be at the top of the Falcons board.
1: Yeah, I mean, I go to like three spots that I strongly consider. uh And I think the first one, of course, is edge. And that's what a lot of fans are sort of obsessed with fixing because the Falcons did have the worst pass rush in the NFL over the last two years by far. So it makes a lot of sense that you'd want to get a big talent infusion there at edge rusher. Um, I don't think there's a lot of, there's a lot of depth, but there's not a lot of guys I would really take in the top 10 at that spot. But I do think the one you're probably circling is Tyree Wilson, because I think this is the type of guy that Ryan Nielsen would just love to get his hands on, um, you know, the, the, the big, long project. Uh, and I think Nielsen is very comfortable taking that type of player, whereas I probably wouldn't have been comfortable with our previous coaching staffs at taking a swing on somebody like that. Um, Nielsen has a very good track record of, of developing those type of players. So um, I also think having someone like Calais Campbell in the building is a perfect mentor for Tyree Wilson. I mean, this is if you're Tyree Wilson, you're probably hoping your ceiling is Calais Campbell. So um I and like Tyree Wilson for all that he has to do and, and develop as a pass rusher, he is a day one high-end run defender on the outside. And that duo of Calais Campbell and Tyree Wilson would give the Falcons a really nasty run, run-stopping front. Um, if they wanted to get their their big boys out there with Getty Goldman and <clears throat> and, and those two guys, um, Clays Campbell and, and Tyree Wilson, uh, that's a pretty nasty, nasty group. And uh, I think they'll develop Wilson and, and hopefully uh, maybe maybe Clays Campbell will be back next year. Maybe not. But ideally, you'd have Wilson ready to move into that role uh, going forward. So that that's one. Again, who knows if he'll be there. I mean, his stock is all over the place from he's going to go ahead of Will Anderson, who I know, you know, you're probably in support of that, but uh, <laughs> Shh, don't tell the Bama fans, they'll come out. Yeah, yeah, me. exactly. <laughs> uh, or he could go like, he's probably not going to go much lower than like 10 to 12, but like it, it could be a little bit after the Falcons, it could definitely be before. So that one is is one where if I think he if he is on the board, I think they'll be really tempted. Um, <clears throat> the most likely spot, I think, is corner simply because I think there's two blue chip corners in Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon. Um, and I think both of those guys would be very tempting at eight and would be a good value. Um, I'm not sure what flavor they'll prefer. I, I think one of the two is definitely going to be there. Um, I don't, maybe both will be there depending like if target Wilson's gone, they'll probably both be there, but I, I don't know. Um, so I don't know if the team will prefer, witherspoon the more pro ready guy the nastier guy or gonzalez the more prototypical guy um if they're going to play a lot more man coverage which is sort of what i suspect then they may prefer witherspoon and that that may shock some people but um i don't think it's outlandish at all i think it sort of depends on your preferences but is certainly one and then of course uh bijan robinson is the other guy right just because you can't really like this this regime has Made it clear that they don't care what anybody thinks, uh, and Bijan Robinson has a clear case to be the the most the best player on the board. Uh, and this is a run heavy offense, and an offense that has shown that they're very willing to use their running backs creatively. Um, you know, people were really impressed with with how Arthur Smith has utilized all Patterson's sort of unique skill set, and in Bijan, you're getting maybe a prime all Patterson, who's also a much better. Running back than Patterson was, especially early in his career. Um, so, uh, I you know I I can't be too upset with them just taking a guy who on a lot of boards is like a top three player. So um, that one is definitely one everyone should keep in 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 their head. And you know, of course, we're I'm sure on this this program based on the sign behind you that you're not letting anyone forget that uh, Bijan Robinson is in play at eight. So I,
0: I don't know what you're talking about, Kevin. So uh, yeah. we'll just. <laughs> let roll with that one. Oh, wait, I forgot to take that. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's for for the video watches on YouTube. If you're watching audio, then, you know, that's another reason for you to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen on YouTube, as well as your preferred podcast platform to get that uh, going. Um, Yeah, I I think all all four of those guys are certainly in, in the mix for the Falcons in the first round. Obviously, I think, you know, the Bijan conversation is basically to me kind of the break glass in case of emergency. Like if, if that top defensive player, whether it's an edge rusher or a cornerback is not there, I think, you know, that's really the scenario where Bijan really does become a serious contender for the Falcons at eight. And I think, you know, while I'm probably, no, I'm pretty high on Devin Witherspoon. I just sort of, my one question is will the NFL see him, like that based off of history where typically those guys that go at eight or higher typically tend to be a little bit bigger and longer than him. So, but he's certainly a a very good player. And so it'll be interesting to see where the Falcons fall uh, on those various players at the top of the drive.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I get it. I, I know the Falcons really care about that football character, that competitive toughness, And like, that's why Nolan Smith probably deserves to be in that conversation too. Um, But they, you know, Witherspoon is, is that like sort of, you know, lunch pail guy, right? Eats glass on the field, uh, all chirp team, you know, they value that stuff really highly. So that, that sort of thing could be one of the, and like, look, the tape for Witherspoon is just out of this world. So uh, can't be too upset with that, but yeah, Gonzalez definitely the more prototypical guy that you would see go. And that's why he, he's probably going to be the less likely of the two to be on the board at eight, especially with the, if the Raiders don't take a quarterback, then you have to think that Gonzalez is in, is a serious consideration for them. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: So, guys, there's more to come here talking about Jeff Okuda, why the Falcon scheme under new defense coordinator Ryan Nielsen might be able to get the most out of him as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So before we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons, guys, I do want to thank everyone that is in every day or every single person that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day, five days a week. You, I hold a very special place in my heart. For you every day, or so, please continue to subscribe to Lockdown Falcons. And for those of you that want to be the type of person that gets a shout out on this podcast for listening every single day, make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Falcons on YouTube or your preferred podcast platforms. Rate us five stars, give us a like, all that, and more. So, let's talk a little bit more about Jeff Akuda and. Let's talk a little bit about reclamation projects. You heard me talk about this on yesterday's episode, talking about this trade. And you heard me talking about my disdain for reclamation projects. And this would be the perfect opportunity for me to rehash my Josh Rosen takes from the summer of 2021. And I did a whole podcast about how he wasn't going to necessarily work out. And meanwhile, the fan base or a large percentage of the Falcons fan base was like, oh, Atlanta is the perfect place for Josh Rosen to develop and and live up to the status he did. Right. Jeff Akuda is a reclamation project, and I'm not going to say do what the Falcon fans did in the summer of 2021 and say Atlanta is the perfect place for Jeff Akuda to resurrect his career, but I do think the Atlanta Falcon scheme has the potential to do very good things for him. I went back uh, over the last day or so and watched five Lions game from this past year, saw good from Jeff Akuda, bad from Jeff Akuda, all the things in between. Also got to see quite a bit of Mike Hughes. Uh, maybe I'll share with you, some nuggets from that, although it's not going to be as positive as uh, my Jeff Okuda takes are going to be. And, you know, I think with Jeff Akuda if you're expecting Jeff Okuda to kind of turn things around and look at the player or prospect, it looked like the player or prospect that was taken third overall and basically be the highest drafted cornerback until Derek Stingley went last year, number three overall in basically the last decade, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment, right? This goes back to my whole thing with the reclamation projects, which is that people are too focused on what a player did in college three, four, five years ago and not looking at what the player is in the NFL. The whole reason that we w- look at the player's college film is to project them into the NFL, and we're just basically making guesses educated guesses on what he would be in the nfl based off of his college film but once he gets in the nfl you don't have to guess the answers to all the tests are right in front of you you know and so like when people still focus that's you know i'm not going to go on this rant but that's why like when people sit here and say oh desmond ritter's a third round quarterback and third round quarterbacks don't work out and it's like yeah but most third round quarterbacks did not play as well as desmond ritter did you know in his first four nfl starts going back over the last uh you know 10, 20 years or whatever. So like the idea that he's just a third round quarterback to me, is just like, that's just a thing that people say. Right. But again, not going to get into all of that, but I, I think when it comes to Jeff Okuda, his film shows you that he can still be a good corner. Right. I still think rather than being that CB one top of the league type of talent that he was drafted to be, I think he can be a CB two, a high end CB two. The the comparison I would make this is the type of player that I think you can expect Jeff Okuda if he reaches the ceiling here in Atlanta is to be a Jamel Dean type of player, right? Jamel Dean is the number two corner across from Carlton Davis in Tampa Bay. Just got a lucrative a thirteen million dollar a year contract from the Bucks this off season to continue to be that number two. And he might be the highest paid number two cornerback in the league. If I'm not mistaken, maybe there's another player above him or whatever, something like that. And so I like, I could see that Jeff Okuda still going down that path, but if you're expecting him to be Patrick Peterson or Jalen Ramsey, based off of where he was drafted, you know, I, I think you're going to be barking up the wrong tree when it comes to that. But I think, You know, whether he gets to that Jamel Dean level remains to be seen. But again, I think it's a realistic goal to have right and one of the things I noted on yesterday's episode when watching the initial film was how uh, Jeff Akuda shadowed Justin Jefferson in that week three game against the Minnesota Vikings and Jefferson was held in check had one of the quieter games of his season with three catches for 14 yards now it wasn't because Okuda shut down Justin Jefferson it was the Lions scheme that shut down Justin Jefferson because they basically bracketed him every single play Right, Akuda would be in man coverage, but he would consistently have safety help over the top. So Akuda could kind of hang back, trail Justin Jefferson. If anything underneath came, Akuda could jump it and the safety would be able to take anything over the top on that. And so that was their sort of strategy. And I think with Jeff Okuda's skill set watching these multiple games, he's capable in man coverage, but I don't think he's really the cornerback that you want to leave on an island in man coverage, especially against some of these quality receivers. You know, I noticed watching several games, there was just too many times in the fourth quarter where you know, a team would basically get a big play against Jeff Akuda to either set up a potential score or an actual score. And like that gives me some pause about him playing in a man heavy scheme. Um, and we talked a little bit yesterday about him getting benched late in the season against the Carolina Panthers, uh, that week 16 matchup between them. And that seemingly came after a third quarter bomb that he gave up, a 47 yard bomb to DJ Moore that set up a touchdown uh, right after halftime. And that particular play, the Lions were in cover zero, and Akuda had to defend a deep post against a speedy receiver like DJ Moore with no safety help uh, with that cover zero look. And, you know, I can't be too mad at a, a basically, you know, the scheme kind of leaves you out there to dry. If you're a cornerback, it's like cover zero, you're either getting a sack or you're giving up a touchdown. That, that, that's the way I kind of tend to think about it. It's either a sack or a touchdown. And so like, that was one of those situations where Akuda gave up that big play, set up a, a touchdown. I'm not really mad at him uh, for getting beat on that particular play. Although certainly I'm sure, you know, people can nitpick his, his technique and all those various things uh, that would have allowed him to not get beaten as badly as he could have been. Um, But he got benched right after that. And part of me wonders, you know, was that an accumulation of, of factors that led to his benching or was it that specific play? Or maybe there were other things, you know, you know, in addition to his play on the field that I'm not aware of that led to his benching or whatever. But even though that play wasn't entirely his fault, Again, there were too many instances on his film where I just couldn't fully trust him uh, on an island in man coverage, but I don't know if the Falcons are going to be asking him to be stuck on an island in man coverage. Now, one of the things we've talked about with the hiring of defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen is that the expectation that the Falcons will play more man coverage this year, but it's really about the type of man coverage that the Falcons are going to play. And I only have the numbers from that Matt Bowen of ESPN posted on Twitter in November. Uh, So only about halfway through the season, but I imagine the second half of the season, these numbers Aren't too off the the mark on what the entire season will have to sort of see if further numbers come out later this offseason. I know PFF and Football Outsiders will often, you know, later in the spring and in the summer drop some of these coverage stats uh, about how different teams use coverage later on, but. What was notable about Matt Bowen's numbers from November was that the Saints, uh, something that we've talked about before in the podcast, were a team that used a lot of cover to man, the most in the NFL. About 20% of their coverages were cover to man. According to Matt Bowen, that was the most in the NFL. The next most was the Buffalo Bills at 14%. Notably, Detroit was fourth on that list with 11.8%. And by the way, the Falcons last year were 29th at the midway point of the season with about 2.9% of their coverage shells being that cover two-man look. And it makes sense that Detroit would play this style of coverage given that their defense coordinator, Aaron Glenn, was previously with the Saints uh, before joining the Lions. And for those of you not familiar, what is cover two-man? It's basically when you have two high safeties, you play man under. It's often called two-man under, right? And that means that the five underneath defenders, typically three corners and two linebackers, are in man coverage, right? And this is another play uh, covered show where you're rushing four in this instance. And it's kind of the defining characteristic of the Saints, the Dennis Allen-led Saints defense, is that they're going to be the team that plays a lot of cover two-man. And to me, the Akuta trade kind of signals, confirms, that you know the expectation with Ryan Nielsen porting that over from New Orleans, that the Falcons will be moving in that direction. So I'm expecting the Falcons to dial up their cover two-man, whether you want to call it cover two-man, two-man under, cover five, whatever you want to call it. For me personally, those terms are pretty much interchangeable. So if you hear me referring to it as any of those three terms, cover two man, two man under or cover five, that's what I'm referring to. And I think that's the perfect coverage for Akuda, because as I indicated earlier, that's kind of what he was doing in that Minnesota game against uh, Justin Jefferson, right, where he was playing man coverage. With safety help, he could be very aggressive at the line of scrimmage. That's something that Akuta is very good at with his size and his length to be able to jam receivers at the line of scrimmage, use that length, use that physicality to be aggressive, knowing that he has safety help over the top, right? And so that allows him to be more aggressive. And to me, it's not a coincidence that Jeff Akuta looked better this year and healthy, you know, in part due to being healthy this year, but looked better in Aaron Glenn's scheme. In 2022, than he did in uh Matt Patricia's scheme in 2020 before he got hurt, right? Where Matt Patricia is playing cover one single high safety, having Daron Harmon as that single high safety, and Aaron Glenn is playing more cover two man and whatnot, so that he gets consistent help because you know in cover one that single high safety can't always cover especially if it's someone like Daron Harmon who doesn't have elite range as Falcon fans are certainly familiar with and that's what we're hoping we're going to have when we do play cover one with Jesse Bates having that corner um, I'm sorry that safety with that elite range to be able to cover up some of those mistakes when the Falcons play cover one but also uh, that ability when the Falcons play cover two and one of the things we've talked about with the addition of Jesse Bates is that it's going to allow corner like Jeff Akuda Casey Hayward, and or A.J. Terrell to be a lot more aggressive at the line of scrimmage, and I think that plays to Jeff Okuda's strength. So having that range ball hawking, free safety in cover one or cover two, I think is going to benefit Jeff Akuda greatly. And to me, you know, we can sit here and speculate about the Falcons' scheme, fits, and whatnot, and it's going to be fascinating over the next several weeks as we as the draft unfolds to kind of piece together how the Falcons are going to play defensively this year because we can speculate a lot about things right like I can speculate about Casey Hayward's status right part of the reason why I thought he would get cut is because he spent the bulk of his career playing as a cover three zone corner rather than you know a cover one man cover corner like we're expected to play or a cover two man cover corner although he's always been effective in man coverage he's just never been in a scheme that you really ratcheted up the man coverage. So that's a factor in Hayward's status. We could also talk about Casey Hayward, you know, moving inside to the nickel spot, a spot that he did start his career playing out when he was with the Green Bay Packers, but since he left Green Bay back in 2015, has not really played. Is that really an option for the Falcons to move a player back to the slot where for the first time in eight years with Casey Hayward, maybe, right? I've heard talk that Jeff Okuda, uh potentially could play in the slot as well. And it's kind of similar a little bit. You get some same vibes. I talked about this on yesterday's episode, watching Jeff Okuda film with Isaiah Oliver, right? Very good physical run defender. And that's one of the things we talked about with losing Isaiah Oliver and going to someone like D Ford, or I'm sorry, D Alford, uh, where you're going to lose a little bit more uh, beef in the run support because playing nickel you're subbing out a linebacker you're putting in a corner and so you need that nickel corner to be a force in run support and while alford is not lacking in that regard just because he's 175 pounds means you're giving up something when you're comparing that to an oliver or an Akuda who's 200 plus pounds and so you know, if you want to get a, a glimpse of how effective Akuda is against the run, go watch the Dallas Cowboys game. He he was a force against the run in that game. And so part of me wonders, like, you know, you could tinker with that idea a little bit of having Akuda play inside as opposed to outside. And, of course, we can always talk about, you know, what – If the Falcons were to draft a Christian Gonzalez uh, at eight or in in contrast, uh, Devon, Devin Witherspoon, the Illinois corner at eight and said, what would that indicate about their scheme? Right. You know, I do wonder a little bit about, you know, if Witherspoon is as good in man coverage as he's built to be. But, you know, that's a conversation for a later date. And so I have all these half baked ideas and thoughts rattling around my head, you know, some of these things. You know just little tidbits in here or there that it's like okay, once we get to the draft, we'll have a firmer idea of what the plan is for the Falcons defensively. Could they be playing two man under? Uh, could they be doing that instead of using nickel? Did they do that with dime, right? Because it, it, as we talked about with how you play two man under, right, you're gonna have your three corners and two linebackers in man coverage, that's not really the strength of Caden Ellis, right? On third downs, you want Caden Ellis to be rushing the quarterback. So one thought would be, hey, let's let Caden Ellis rush the quarterback in that situation and let's play dime with that two man under look, bring in the six defensive back that can replace Caden Ellis in coverage. And do you get like a sort of a hybrid safety linebacker dime type of player to fill that void. And that's something that the Falcons may pull the trigger on in the draft. All these possibilities are out there. And that's why the last two weeks before the draft are kind of the hardest to get through because you're just kind of, you were so close, but you're so far and you just kind of like, like what, what, what are we going to look like? Right. Rather than, you know, and we just, you want to get what the team actually is going to look like rather than speculating about all the endless infinite possibilities of which directions they could go. And so, We will continue to speculate for the next couple of days in the lead up to the draft. We still have more QB content from Mark Schofield. We only have, Aired parts of the conversations I had with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic and Scott Kennedy on the last two days of contest. So there's more to come with that. I also have another guest coming up with Savion Mixon of blogging dirty. We'll be airing that conversation in the coming days where he looks at various players. He would like to see the Falcons target, possibly a linebacker safety hybrid type or something like that. So we have plenty more guests to come over the coming two weeks. So continue to make lockdown Falcons your first listen. And when you do make Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your second listen. Check out Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, breaking down what it takes to build a successful NFL franchise. They just did an episode breaking down this trade, this Akuda trade for both the Lions and the Falcons and how, you know, revisiting that 2020 draft to sort of look how the top of that draft would go. So go check that out. Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes uh, on YouTube or wherever you get Your podcast is all part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, guys, your team every day.